You're listening to the Grace Through Faith weekly podcast. For more information, go to mygtf.org. We hope you enjoy. Well, good morning, GTF. So glad that everybody's here today. Glad that you're able to join us. And uh, I just uh, am super excited about what God has in store for us today uh, as we dig into His Word. But before I jump into the message, I just want to just take a second to talk about kind of what's coming up. As many of you may have already heard, Um, We made some announcements on Thursday and Friday about what opening services here at GTF looks like uh, as we get down the road a little bit. Um, And so we announced that on May the 17th, that's our target date uh, of whenever we're going to open our doors to the public for Sunday morning services again. Um, As we get closer to that date, we'll give you a little bit more information on how to participate in that. It's going to look a little bit differently than uh, a lot different. point plan that we've kind of put together, and we've put that on our website. And so I'd invite you to, to, to go on over to mygtf.org. There's a button on the home page that talks about our plan for, for reopening services here at GTF as we move into the next several weeks uh, ahead. And so make, make sure that you're aware of that. But what I'm asking everybody to do the next couple of weeks as we prepare to open everything back up is to, to, to begin, if you're comfortable with this, to begin to start uh, re-engaging with other people again in a church experience. And so a lot of what we've been doing over the last couple of months as we've been going through this pandemic is we've been meeting in our grace groups online. We've been doing our live stream from home like you're doing right now. And I just want to encourage you um, to begin to start to get together with maybe another family or if you have your extended family that's close uh, for live stream and lunch on Sundays during the during the 10 o'clock uh, worship service here at GTF. And so as simply as we can make that, basically I'm just asking that churches meet together in homes. You know, in, in the early church, in the book of Acts, that's how the church was born. It was born through a massive uh, event on the day of Pentecost. It says that Peter preached to 3,000 people, but the church grew from home to home. And so really uh, over the next couple of weeks, I just uh, want, want to encourage you to take that dynamic of church life and recreate it in your living room, in your kitchen. And so invite another couple over, invite another family over, invite your kids and grandkids over and, and put on the live stream, have church service in your home and then, then cook lunch together. And as you're eating lunch, the thing that I would really in, encourage you to do is to check on each other. You know, we're called to bear one another's burdens as the body of Christ and, and see if there's any way that you could support one another in prayer be there for each other, listen to what people are going through um, as we've gone through this quarantine process and how we're going to begin to reintegrate into, into our normal everyday life rhythms. And so that's going to be happening in the next couple of weeks. I really encourage you to take part in that and get ready to start taking baby steps into your normal rhythm. If you have your Bible, open those up um, to Genesis chapter 2 is where we're going to begin, but then we're going to get into Daniel chapter 3 as well. And so we're going to continue in the series that I've been entitled Anchor. And really the overarching theme that we've been kind of trying to focus our hearts on is the fact that whenever we go through difficult times, whenever things are uncertain, our, our soul craves stability. And in Hebrews chapter 6, this is what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago as we launched the series, it gives us this profound principle of how we can, in, a, in an uncertain time, find that stability that we so crave. Hebrews 6.19 says, We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor for the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. 
as we talked about that, that anchor, what we talked about the first week of the series was the fact that God's promise to Abraham and his descendants is that anchor. That's specifically what the author of Hebrews is talking about in Hebrews chapter 6, is that the promise that God made to Abraham, and listen, this is his promise, that he would bless him and his descendants and multiply him. You know, whenever we go through uncertainty, it really challenges that reality for us and God. We begin to question, you know, God, do you love me? Are you here? Are you listening to my prayers? Where are you? Those are the, the doubts that begin to, to impact our heart. And what, what Hebrews 6 is saying is that those promises, that promise that God would bless us, that he still loves us, he doesn't hate us, he's not out to get us, that promise would be an anchor for our soul that would cause us to be unmovable in the middle of a storm. And so really as we've been going through the series, the, the focus of our heart is, you know, we're all going through a struggle right now. All of us in our own ways are dealing with, with these circumstances that are overwhelming, they're scary, they're, there's all this uncertainty. And as we go through that struggle, I want you to know that Jesus is in the struggle with us. And so last week what we talked about was the struggle of grief. And, and as, as we go through those struggles, grief is something that every single one of us go through in, in different times and in different seasons. And specifically in this season right now, all of us are grieving the loss of something. And so last week what we talked about was the fact that Jesus is, if he's master of anything, he's master of ministering to his people in the midst of grief. Isaiah 61 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to comfort all who mourn, to give them beauty instead of ashes, oil of, of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. Jesus has come to bring joy instead of mourning. And for those of us who are going through a process of grief throughout this time, God is the one who's an expert at walking beside us through that process and helping us get to a place of healing and wholeness. Now today what I want to talk to you about is the struggle of loneliness. As we go through this time, not only are, are some of us dealing with some grief, a lot of us are dealing with loneliness because this reality has happened where we've all tried to social distance and quarantine and stay at home. And here's the thing that I, I see as a pastor is that God, he never created us to be alone. As a matter of fact, if you think about this, the Bible has a powerful message about loneliness. It has actually a really sound theology about loneliness. And if you look at the history of our nation over the last 20 years, thinking back to the year 2000, it's like we have been, in, we have been immersed in, in crisis on the cyclical basis. You think about Y2K in the year 2000. 9-11 uh, in 2001, whenever the, the, the attacks on the World Trade Centers and that plunged us into you know, the war on terror. In 2008, we had the financial crisis. And, and you see this cycle of, of our nation being plunged into this cyclical emergency, this crisis that's happening in our nation that's going global on a regular basis. Well, a lot like that you and I go through in our personal, time, personal lives. We go through cycles of trial. We go through cycles where our, our faith is tested, whether it is a circumstance that you're going through in your family or at your work or in your friendships. We, on a cyclical basis, are sometimes immersed into crisis 
And in those moments of crisis, we begin to crave something and we can't go through it alone. Now, as I was saying, the Bible has a powerful message about loneliness. And so I want you to look at Genesis chapter 2. And as I unpack this for you, I'm just going to give you a really quick teaching on what the Bible has to say about loneliness. But this teaching, this principle is all throughout the Word of God. If there's anything that that the Bible talks to, it's the fact that you and I are not alone. And it begins in Genesis chapter 2. And so if you you read the creation story, you know what's going on. God's creating the heavens and the earth. And where we're fixing to read in Genesis chapter 2 is whenever he made man. And he notices something about man. And it's something that I really want you to latch on to today and pay attention to what God's trying to tell you and me as we're going through this pandemic. Look at verse 18. It says, Then the Lord God said... It is not good that man should be alone. Now, I want to pause right there for just a second. We're going to continue reading here in a minute, but I want you to catch that. Because as God has consistently created the heavens and the earth, as he's created the earth and, and he put it in place, everything that he created, he said, and it was good. He created the universe, the stars in the sky, the sun and the moon, he said, and it was good. He created the plants and the animals. And everything that he created, including man, he said that it was good. But whenever you get to verse 18, he says that it is not good. The first thing that God said wasn't good is that man would be alone. It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now, out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him or that was a good fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up the place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Now here's the the interesting thing about the powerful message about loneliness in the Bible is that God, whenever he sees aloneness in mankind, he says, number one, it's not good. And number two, it's not God. Being alone in a circumstance is not God's will for your life and it's not a good thing for your life. And so obviously, as we are all trying to socially distance and as we shelter in place and we close ourselves off to the social interactions that we have on a day-to-day battle, on a day-to-day basis, it thrusts us into a struggle with loneliness. If you've been wrestling with loneliness, I want you to understand where we are right now in the world with this pandemic, that's a normal struggle. You should be struggling with the reality that I want to see people. I want to interact with people. And there's a good thing that we can do in this online experience where we can interact with each other on a one-to-one basis. But there's this craving inside of the human soul. And it's been put there by God to be social, to interact with others. As a matter of fact, it's so ingrained in us that God says it's not good whenever we don't interact with others. So loneliness isn't good and it isn't God. And whenever God sees people in a place of loneliness where they're all alone, God will always, and I want you to mark these words, God will always send you a helper. He sees Adam 
And he says it's not good for man to be alone. And so he, he asks Adam to look at all of his creation. And Adam had animals. I know a lot of guys, how we are, we like to get out in, in the wild and we like, to, we like creation. I, I'm, I'm kind of a, an outdoors guy sometimes. Um, I like my comforts, but I like to go outside. I like to go fishing. I like to go to the mountains. And there's sometimes this thought that if we as men could just relate to nature, then we have everything we need. But what you see with Adam was he had all of that. He had creation. He had wildlife. He had the serenity of a lake, and he had all of those things that you can find out in the wild in creation. But it says that he was still did not finding a good fit for him. And so God created, he sent him a helper. He sent somebody who was a good fit for him. And I love what Pastor Mercy said last week whenever she was sharing her testimony about how she worked through her, the, the grief of losing her dad a few years back. And one of the things that she said was that she had a friend who went through a similar situation of losing a parent, and she drew strength and support from that friend. And it's so sovereign how God, whenever we need somebody to help us walk through a situation, that he always sends a helper. And so as you look at the, the Bible, I tell you, this is just a, a, just a snapshot of this theology in the Bible, right? Of aloneness. And what you see is that God does not want us to be alone. He doesn't want us to feel lonely. And He will always send a helper. If you fast forward a little bit in the book of Isaiah, the nation of Israel is in rebellion to God and God is disciplining them to the point where He sends them into exile. This, the, the prophet Isaiah prophesied to Israel right before they were sent into exile to Babylon. And one of the things that God communicated to the children of Israel as they were going through that struggle was this. It says in, in Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, O Israel. Behold, the virgin shall, shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Over and over and over in the word of God, you see this message, this powerful message about aloneness played out where God is saying, I don't want you to be alone. So much so, that Adam, that I will make for you Eve, your wife, and she will be with you. I don't want you to be alone, Israel, and so I'm going to send my son, and he is going to become this reality of God now dwelling with us, with us. And last, if you remember last week, we talked about this, this, this reality of Jesus sending the comforter. And he said this in John 14. He said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. See, the reality of God being with us and God sending other people to be with us is something that you find all throughout Scripture. Listen, if you don't get anything else, listen to this right now. God does not desire for you to struggle through loneliness. He wants you to know today that He is with you. But even more than Him being with you, He has assigned other people to come around you and to support you in, in a moment whenever you feel really, really alone. This is a powerful message all throughout, the, all throughout the Scriptures. Now, here's the thing about theology. As much as I love theology, theology is fascinating in theory, but it only becomes powerful in practice. It has to be borne out in our everyday life to see the powerful fruit that's born from it. And so I want you to turn over to Daniel chapter 3, and I want to read this, this, uh, this, this historical account from the Babylonian exile. I was talking to you about Israel being exiled to Babylon, and this is actually while Israel was in exile in Babylon. 
And as you read this story with me, I think what you're going to see is just the powerful message of God in aloneness being born out in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's life. You know, it's great to have a theological premise, but if it's not real and if it can't be practically activated in my life on a a day-to-day basis and even in the moments whenever I need it the most, then it really doesn't help. And what these three men found on this particular day was that God is faithful to fulfill His Word, to never leave us alone, to never forsake us. And so just to give you a little bit of the backstory, this is when the, the nation of Israel was in, in exile in Babylon, and, and, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the rest of the Israelites were subservient to the king of Babylon, who was Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar, in this, this particular passage, had uh, built an, a huge idol, a golden image. It says it's over four stories high, 40 feet tall. And he, he gave a, an edict to the entire kingdom to come and to worship before this idol on this certain day. And he threatened the nation. He said, whenever you hear the worship start and the band begins to play, in all, every, every single person, no matter who you are, I want you to bow down before this idol and I want you to worship it. And if you don't, then I'm going to throw you into a fiery furnace. It's basically going to cost you your life if you don't submit to this decree and worship this idol. And so... On this day, they all come and and everybody bows down whenever the worship starts except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And it says that this accusation was brought to the king that that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were defying his edict. And so it says that Nebuchadnezzar was enraged and full of rage. He called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to stand before him and to give an account, to give an answer for these accusations. And he told them, I'll give you one last chance. In, I'm going to tell the, the worship team, so to speak. He said, I'm going to tell the people who play the flutes and the lyres and all the different instruments and the singers, I'm going to tell them to, to start worship one more time. And if you don't fall down on your face before this idol, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to throw you into the fire and you're going to burn alive. Look at verse 16 of Daniel chapter 3. And this was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's response. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, We have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury... And the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Because the the king's order was urgent and the furnace was overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. Verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. 
He answered and said to them, But I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt at all. And the appearance of the fourth man is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace, and he declared, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire. And the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Now here's a couple of observations. I don't know if you've read that story in a while, but it always inspires me. And as I read it, I just notice a couple of things that I want you to to focus on today. The first thing is that as these men were thrown into the fire, the theology that we were just talking about became real. God did not leave them in that moment alone. Not only did they have each other that they were going through that struggle with, but they also had God because as Nebuchadnezzar saw that there weren't just three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but there was also a fourth. And that fourth man in the fire was God himself. That there was Christ, pre-incarnate Christ, there in the midst of the struggle with these men who did not leave them alone. The reality of God's message of I will never leave you and I will never forsake you became something that was tangible in their life that day. I don't know about you, but there are moments whenever I know that I've got to stand in faith, even whenever I don't see it happening. And these men come to to Nebuchadnezzar and they say, you know what? Our God's able to deliver us from the fire and from your hand, but even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down. I know there's moments in my life where I've got to stand in faith, but there's moments in my life and in your life where we need to see the presence of God show up in a powerful way to reassure our heart and to reassure our mind that He is here. Listen, if you're struggling with loneliness today, my prayer for you and my prayer for myself is that we would know the presence of God that we would become intimately acquainted with His hand upon our lives, with His presence, His Spirit moving in and among us. These three men were not left alone. The second thing that I noticed is that God had a choice in this whole deal, just as it, like He has a choice with us. God could have delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fire. As a matter of fact, you've seen God do different miracles all throughout the word of God. He could have caused this golden image to topple over and be shattered and broken in a million pieces, right? That happened in David's day. He could have caused the fire to be quenched. He could have caused a a heavenly fire to fall down right on Nebuchadnezzar's head. He could have done anything that he wanted to that day, including making the fire stop for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But what God decided to do, what he chose to do, was not to deliver them from the fire, but to deliver them through the fire. And I I don't know about you, but there's moments whenever I really want to see God show up in in a bunch of other ways, but please don't make me go through this valley. Please don't make me go through this moment of heat. Please don't make me go through this thing that's staring me right in the face. God could have chosen to do many different things, but the way that he chose to show up for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that day included them being thrust into the fiery furnace. Now, I don't know if you have thought about John the Baptist lately, but I want you to remember a prophecy that John the Baptist made about Jesus. 
the Savior that we are following. And this is what, G, what John the Baptist said about Jesus in Matthew chapter 3. He said, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me, who is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. See, there's moments whenever God chooses to dramatically change the circumstance and make it go away. There's no doubt that God does that. But there's also moments whenever Jesus because he sees fit to do so, immerses his people into a fiery situation and shows up in that situation with them. Whether that be cancer, whether that be sickness, whether that be the loss of a job, whatever it is that that, that, that situation is in our lives, God always shows up in that place with us and delivers us through it. These men saw the choice of God go in a different direction than the parting of the Red Sea, than Elijah calling down fire from heaven. God showed up in the midst of the heat and in the midst of the fire. Now, here's the third thing that I I want you to think about from this passage, and that is the reassurance that the fire had no power over them. You know, one of the things, and I know that I've mentioned this to you so many times that you might be a little bit tired of hearing about it, but I want to just remind you of this Again, because this is my personal experience. But, you know, with our son McCoy having cerebral palsy, cerebral palsy wakes up in our house every single day. It's not something that we can run away from, and it's not something we've tried to pray healing into those situations. But day in and day out, we wrestle through that situation. And one of the things that we decided a long time ago, and this came through a prophetic word from the Lord for us, is that as much as the enemy has tried to attack the health of of our family, we were not going to allow him to, to, to take anything else than what's already been taken. And there's this real place whenever you're thrust into fire where you have to acknowledge, hey, I'm in the fire right now, but this fire has no power over me. It does not have the ability to steal Zoe life from me because that life prevails over everything else that's going on, even the circumstances of our life. As Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are thrust into fire, one of the realities that they experienced was that that fire had no power over their bodies. That was the testimony of all of the governors, the satraps, and the precepts. Everybody that that was from Babylon and who did not believe in their God, they all acknowledged this fire did not have power over their bodies. James 1-2 says to you and I, sons and daughters of God, count it all joy Brothers, when you face trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Listen, there's moments whenever God will so choose to baptize you and I in fire. We will go through trials. We will go through struggles. In this life, we will have trouble. But listen, the, tr- the trouble that you're going through has no power over the the blessing of God on your life. And that's really the focus, the anchor for our soul, is that God's promise to you and His promise to me is that He will bless us. And sometimes whenever we're thrust into a fiery circumstance in our life, it's really easy to allow the situation to, to shake us in our soul to where we begin to question, God, are you really blessing me? If you're blessing me, then why is this happening? If you love me, then why is this going on? Listen, there are moments in my life where where I have been baptized in fire. And listen, that fire proved to do and it accomplished something for me. It proved to work about something good on my behalf. Now, if you read the rest of the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 
what you'll find is that this fire did the same thing for them. As they came out of the fire, Nebuchadnezzar actually was convinced to follow their God. He worshiped their God rather than the idol. And not only did he convert to what they believed in, he promoted them in his kingdom and gave them authority in the land of Babylon. You and I, no matter what you're going through today, no matter what your struggle is, no matter what the fire is that you find surrounding you, you and I can trust that God will make all things work together for your good. He will bless. He will multiply. There's nothing that this world can throw at you that will shake or nullify that truth in your life. Now, I want to take the rest of this time to kind of process the pandemic. And as I do that, I just I have a question for you. And, and, and we're, I'm actually going to have the worship team sing a song over you. And I want to encourage you to receive this song as strength for your soul because it actually sings about this proclamation that the Word of God is making to you and I today about the fact that He will never leave you alone. God's not the one who is going to forsake you. He's not the one who's going to leave you high and dry. And so here's my question to you as you kind of process where you are right now in this pandemic and what's going on all around us. What is the fire that you've been thrust into? Is it the furnace of loss? Is, is, it, is it the fire of, of a, a job situation because of this pandemic? What is the furnace that you've been thrust into? What's the heat that you feel? What is the thing that's causing you to question, God, are you here with me? And I want you, as the worship team leads us in this song, I want you to, to allow that to minister to your soul because this is the truth. You are not alone. You have not been forsaken. And guess what? Help is on the way. God will always send a helper. He will send his spirit. He will send people around you. And what we have to do is get to the place where we allow the people around us to minister to us. You know, one of the hardest things that we can do as people is ask for help sometimes. And so I'm going to turn it over to the worship team and they're going to, they're going to sing this song over you and allow it to minister to your soul. 